All right, everyone. Welcome to Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. Coming to you live from a hotel in Detroit, where I uh, landed a couple hours ago to attend a high school friend's wedding. It is 84 degrees and very muggy here. It's very unpleasant, but um, the wedding itself will be nice. There will be Indian food. I know a lot of people are wondering what I'll eat tonight at the sort of... Uh, I guess our generation doesn't do rehearsal dinners as much, but there's often something the night before. Indian food at a brewery, which is a great combination as far as I'm concerned. Um, you guys mostly know who I am, but I'm Jesse Single. I'm a podcaster, journalist, writer, uh, blah, blah, blah. Check out my newsletter, single-minded, jessesingle.substack.com. This is sort of uh, an outgrowth of that. So if you like what I talk about here, you would like that newsletter. Also, check out my weekly podcast uh, with uh, Katie Herzog, Blocked and Reported. Um, I want to talk a little bit, uh, mostly as usual, just going to take your questions today. So feel free to get into the queue if you have a question or comment. I mostly wanted to talk about um, an article in the Washington Post by Nathan Grayson and Shannon uh, Liao, I think, uh, L-I-A-O. As Roe v. Wade repeal looms, video game industry stays mostly silent. So a lot of people were talking about this online yesterday because these journalists at the Washington Post basically reached out. I'm trying to find the exact number. Um, they reached out to a bunch of video game companies and they sort of confronted them. What are you guys going to say about the whole Roe v. Wade situation? And as a lot of people pointed out, that's that's sort of usually what activists do. Like activists might pressure a corporation to chime in one way or another on an issue and this style of journalism just seems prem it's just it's weird is what it is and it's also weird that there are so many employees who really expect their companies to take stands on such hot button issues because on abortion america is quite divided and if you're a mass market video game company you probably have millions of customers who are you know some version of against abortion so um i'm I'm very confused by the sort of ideology you see this a lot with with people including people who work for like morally neutral or morally suspect companies that demand that their companies and their bosses reflect their values and i i, I think it's a silly road to go down i mean it's just a misunderstanding of what profit uh maximizing companies do um it might be very bad business to come out on one side or another of a complicated debate i also don't think we should expect morality in that sense from companies, like obviously we should try to get companies to have good working conditions and not import slave labor shoes from Thailand or whatever. But on divisive issues, it just doesn't really make sense to me to expect uh, companies to serve this role. I saw Derek Thompson of The Atlantic make an argument that I'm sympathetic to, which is that if you grew up in a time of like hyperpolarization and political paralysis, uh, which a lot of like 20-something staffers at these companies did – you might not really see a lot of paths to like meaningful reform or meaningful politics. Congress can't pass anything. We're mired in filibuster land. So I think, unfortunately, there's some younger people coming of age in a time where like this is what you do. You try to pressure your bosses to do the right thing. You try to sort of shape capitalism in your image. And I'm just skeptical of that approach. I thought this was really weird journalism. I don't get the sense that the authors made any attempt to find employees at these companies who feel differently, who either want them to stay out of politics or, God forbid, are not pro-choice. And that would maybe have made it a more interesting article, I think, although I think the whole premise was uh, off. Ruben, what is up? Ruben, you got to unmute yourself. I'm going to kick you out, but if you get back in line, I'll bump you to the front if you can figure out how to unmute yourself. I got it. There we go. What's up? Hey, what's up, man? 
Uh, don't want to get you off topic on this, so you can definitely respond to this if some of the guys behind me in the queue uh, want to respond directly to the WAPO thing. Um, I wanted to draw your attention to and then get your opinion on. I'm not sure how much you've seen any of the discourse yet around. Sorry, Jesse, my dog knocked out my uh, headphones. Uh, um, discourse around what the 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 Kendrick Lamar album. I have I have not seen any discourse about that, but uh, so I just want to bring it to your attention, Jesse, because I'm sure you have at least a, even if it's not the type of music you listen to. Um, no, I, Good Kid, Mad City, I think is a brilliant album. I'm less into the stuff after that, but I love that album. Yeah, but you have like an idea of what he means to the culture at large, and, and yeah. basically the type of politics that. Um, the people at these publications that you talk about a lot would have. Yeah. So anyway, the album is predictably brilliant musically and all of that, but Kendrick uh, does come out and basically just over the course of the whole thing, it's a uh, condemnation of the culture that we have at large cancel culture, um, call out culture, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and so I think that's going to put a lot of these people on Twitter and social media at odds because this is, in a lot of ways, probably you're talking about these young 20-somethings. They probably, a guy like Kendrick Lamar probably really shaped their views, um, their worldview. And he's has the amount of clout and cachet to basically come out and put the middle finger up to these people. So it'll just something I want you to monitor because I think that that's going to, be a real like cognitive dissonance thing for the blue checks on Twitter. I'm sure. uh, I'm salivating. I will check that out. I should also, of course, listen to the album and uh, got a plane ride Sunday, so I should just load it up for that. Thank you for the uh, for the tip, Ruben. You got it. Hey, what is up? A cat is a cat. What is up? You got to unmute yourself. There we go. There okay. we go. I hit it once and nothing happened. <laughs> So uh, to just comment on the point you raised earlier about thinking that corporations, you know, need to reflect the values of either their employees or their customers, uh, I have a suspicion that it might just be, you know, people have never really experienced a time where these companies aren't making money hand over fist, so they kind of take it for granted. It's almost like, you know, oh, well, this always makes money, so of course we just need to mold it in, in our direction. And I think they don't understand that making profit in itself requires any kind of effort or that there's anything virtuous about it. And so they just, um, you know, it requires some further justification for a company to exist other than it makes money. That's, that's a guess that I have. But I actually had a question for you on sure. something else. And I don't know, I guess just in the circles that you, you run in, that can mean journalists or that can just mean sort of people you talk to online. Um, pertaining to Roe v. Wade, you know, I'm as pro-choice as they come, probably more so even than other pro-choice people when it comes to, you know, no questions asked on the part of the woman. And a value of bodily autonomy is a large reason for that. But I'm also unusually in the circles that I run in, in favor of people having choices when it comes to, you know, vaccines and other medical treatments, things that they put in their body. Have you seen any self-awareness in the people that you are around who are pro-choice, but were very much in favor of vaccine mandates, et cetera, 
any awareness at all on um, how that has hurt the pro-choice argument, or is that a vain hope? I'm not sure. So, I mean, I'm I'm with you in that, like, I'll notice some inconsistency in an argument and be like, well, that'll hurt that side of the argument. I, I think, like, for the average American, I'm just not sure that those sorts of things matter as much. Um, I... I mean, I think it's a fair point. Like, if you care about bodily autonomy, you care about bodily autonomy. There's sort of different cases because in one case you're saying if you choose not to get vaxxed, you should be, like, excluded from these private spaces, which I, just, I don't know. I found the whole vac- vax discourse very stupid. I got – I was – I'm maximally vaxxed. I trust the vaccines. Um, the inability to recognize that the, anyone could possibly have any good faith questions or qualms about vaccine mag, uh, mandates, I didn't like. I thought was like not a good approach to this. Um, I th- I think there's just some differences here because like forcing someone to carry a baby to term is just so different from like excluding them from a coffee shop for not being vaccinated. So I. I, I think you're right that there's like some philosophical similarities there, but don't you think those two, those, they just play out very differently? Well, I mean, yes, in the circumstance that you're framing, but just to be a little vague here, because I have to be, my employer uh, was prepared to fire everybody who could not document proof of vaccination until a court order put a kibosh on that. So I'm not talking about, you know, you can't. Uh, come into a party or you can't. And I'm vaccinated, by the way, so I would not have lost my job. So I want to yeah. make it clear that this is not about me. But, you know, we're not talking about, oh, you can't come You're in right. A coffee shop is not as strong as an example. Do you, yeah. do you work losing, in a... Yeah. Losing your job, uh, potentially being, you know, tracked on lists, having your movements restricted, you know, really serious social and potentially even legal consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... No, I, I think that's a fair point. Um, I, I would have to think through the. This is one of those instances where like the format doesn't lend it my, my, lend itself to like me. In my brain, I'd have to like sit down and think through the similarities and differences between those two things. But but what I can say is it strikes me as a pretty fair point. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Pongo Two. What is up? Hey Jesse. Hey. Um, just, I guess, back to the uh, Washington Post thing. Um, did you, sorry, I didn't look into this. Did you look into, was it only American companies that they were asking that these questions, like only America-based companies, or did they go like a whole range of game companies? I believe it was just American ones. Doesn't, doesn't Bungie have a presence in Canada, too? I could be wrong. I, it, was, it was either entirely or almost entirely um, American ones. Okay, so they didn't do like Ubisoft or something, which I believe is Canadian, right? Um. They don't appear to have reached out to Ubisoft now. Yeah, I, I don't. Know. I guess I was just wondering about that aspect of it because it seems like another aspect of like the American attitude on these things. How it's all about America because as sorry, just saying. I think you know that like uh, most other countries have a lot more restrictive abortion laws than what is under Roe v. Wade. So if you're asking reaching out to countries in Holland or uh, anywhere in Europe, basically, you're going to have they're they're going to have employees with a lot of different attitudes about these things, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean it's just such a different debate in those other countries, right? Well, I mean, it, I guess the contour the contours of it are different, but yeah, I I mean, really, I the impression I, the impression I get is that it's not really much of a de- it's not really much of a debate at all. It's all kind of settled. Everyone sort of agreed what they're what they're good what they're good with, and it's not really an aspect of their politics very much. 
but where they've all settled is something around like they mostly settled around something between somewhere between the first and the second trimester, depending on the country. You're not you're not allowed to get it except for uh, medical reasons. And usually it's available for uh, available freely in the first trimester, which seems to be the majority position in the states as well. But it's not something that anyone's worked out democratically. Yeah. I mean, obviously, at the state level, the laws uh, tend to be pretty extreme and yeah, it's it's such a mess. It's going to be such a disastrous. In addition to the very real harm that'll be done, it's um, obviously from my perspective as someone who's pro-choice, this is just going to be like a, a horrible bomb dropped in the middle of American domestic politics at a time when we were already in pretty bad shape. So um, not looking forward to it. All right. Anyway, thanks. Thanks, Pongo. Kennedy, what's up? Hey, Jesse, what's going on? How's it going? I'm good, man. Uh Calling you all the way from London again. Uh, hope you hope you're doing well. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, just doing to echo what the uh, previous person just said that in over here the issue of abortion hasn't well, for for the past ten years that I've been here, I haven't seen it be like such a contentious issue like it is in the US. And I think uh, last commentator was right that here and in a lot of European countries we sort of settled on the compromise of somewhere between the first and, and second trimester and it looks like it looks like people are on the whole okay with that i haven't you know we haven't seen largely a lot of protests on that but since since america does sort of export its uh, <laughs> cultural stuff uh, i wouldn't be surprised if uh, i mean i'm seeing friends of mine here posting stuff about um, um roe v wade over there and, oh interesting <laughs> it's just like that and i was wanting to find out um have you listened to uh, Barry, Barry Weiss's latest podcast with um, uh, Professor Amil from Yale. I've listened to half uh, of it. It's interesting because he's a, um, just for everyone else, he's a liberal law professor and sort of a, a genius apparently who is very pro-choice, but actually he believes Roe v. Wade was poorly divided and he agrees um, with, with, you know, with Alito that it should yeah. be, the precedent should be toppled. So, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting listening to it because, I mean, it sounded pretty convincing for me as an outsider and someone that doesn't really know much about, say, the history of how Roe v. Wade was decided and the Constitution itself. He was very convincing to me and I thought, OK, he, make, he, he seems to make a good point because it was strictly legal analysis. You know, there was he, di he didn't really, the way he put it, he, he wasn't like a lot of opinion or fact or or bringing in what other people say, but he was just he was just explaining it from a purely legal standpoint that it seems that there's a lot of people who are pro-choice and liberal who actually thought, and he even listed some like liberal law professors who actually thought that the grounding of Roe's Wade in the Constitution has always been legally shaky, and there's always been the risk that there's a good argument to make that it should be sort of overturned. And, but yeah, I yeah, was... it's a, there's this concept the rationalists like to talk about of decoupling, so. Basically, the problem is if you say, I think Roe was poorly argued, people will assume what you're saying is you personally are against abortion. That's an example uh -huh. of, not, of not decoupling those two issues. The rationalists often argue we should decouple them because they're two separate questions. I do not have any of the legal knowledge to, to be able to address this. It would not surprise me if there's like a good faith argument that this was not well decided, but that that view has sort of been shut out of liberal spaces because it's such a hot button issue. And also it is such a weird situation policy wise to have a, you have in the States, you have 50 different bodies that make their own laws and then B, a bunch of them want to make this very specific type of policy change, but they can't because of the weird safety net of this one 
legal ruling. It's just been a very unsteady uh, situation for a long time. And also, I think a lot of culture war stuff is less intense over there, not just the UK, but like the sort of economically healthy parts of Europe. I don't, it might be different in like Italy and Spain, but like basically you guys don't have our equivalent of like a really strong religious right. And I think that injects a lot of fuel into this stuff. You guys have a pretty – I think these days a pretty mild pretty mild versions of Christianity and Catholicism. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not it's – not, they, they don't have as much influence as they seem to have in, in the US when it comes to like politics and sort of, sort of being able to push – uh, I'm a Christian myself, but it doesn't—it doesn't seem that they have as much influence as as they do in the US. I think that I think that's that's true. Yeah, I think. That's, yeah. And, and maybe not as directly involved in politics, right? Is there? Yeah, no, it yeah. doesn't seem directly involved in politics. Not at all. One last quick thing I wanted to find out: how 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 useful do you think is the framing that um you see? I see this online a lot that um it's like so men shouldn't make decisions about women's bodies. And am I wrong to think that if if it was conservative women judges in the Supreme Court, they would still do this. It seems to me that the poly, poly, uh, ideology divide is l- much bigger than the men and women divide. Because even when you look at polling data in like different countries, we, we many women roughly have similar attitudes towards um, 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 abortion. The differences are usually like two to five percentage points in the countries where there are differences. But when you sort of follow the social media conversation, sometimes it seems like Men are the ones that are overwhelmingly against abortion, and women are the ones that are overwhelmingly. But when you actually look at polling data, that doesn't track. <laughs> yeah, my co-host Katie Herzog has written about this. I've maybe written about it a little bit, but you're completely right. The idea that so, I mean, I think it's a difficult question morally. Um, I I often disagree with identitarian arguments. I think there's something to the idea that if you're making laws about a class of people dealing with issues you will never have to deal with, you should at least be more careful. In this case. Oh, okay. It's just not. It's just not true that there's a big divide, and men, men are anti-choice, women are pro-choice. Like all the polling suggests, there's a small gap, as you're saying. And I think this is a real dumb, self-defeating way to wriggle out of any debate is to just say, well, it's just the patriarchy. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that's part of it. There are socially conservative, patriarchal, religious figures who are very opposed to abortion, but there's also a shitload of women who are opposed to abortion, and they they feel that opinion strongly. And you can't. I don't know. I, I found the conversation very frustrating because I, I, I'm staunchly pro-choice because I think on balance the alternative is too horrible. But I, I don't see how people can deny that there's some moral complexity here and that there's no choice but to talk about it, especially now that Rose on the ropes. Like you're going to have to actually convince states to not pass terribly restrictive laws. So that's my view. Anyway, yeah. I disagree with you. I think you've got you've got the polling right. Yeah, no, the point, yeah, in different countries, I'm looking at like 34 European nations, one of the latest polls from like Pew, and it seems like it's roughly similar. And in some countries, it's even men that are in favor of more than women. So it's always interesting when people frame it like there's such a big divide, but it's really not that bad. But anyway, thanks very much, man. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate the call. Uh, Patrick, what's up? Hey, Jesse. Uh, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, wedding. Um, so I want to. So this kind of ties back to a subject you tackled a while ago um polygon that had that article about horizon zero dawn that kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah it's ridiculous like it's playing a different game but i kind of think although this is actually about this isn't like a review or a criticism of something it's actual kind of fact or i guess it's involved with like the companies that make them but it still ties into that same kind of thing that i think i mentioned last time about how there's a certain kind of act 
activist gamer community that's kind of taken over the gaming press, which I think for a while was interesting because they were focusing on issues that you don't necessarily hear about, such as like unionization within the game companies. But I think any, at least as far as I know, because the press hasn't been talking about it, uh, the unionization efforts uh, due to like uh, crunch in the gaming industry has kind of died. So now they're kind of looking for other areas to kind of talk about. And I think you're right that uh, there is a kind of a weird activist sense to it. But is there a way to like kind of frame the issue such that it's still kind of legitimately newsworthy? Like an art, like an issue that I would be wondering about, which would be what are actually the leave policies at these companies and how may it like affect workers uh, in the kind of future? Like that is actually looking at something that's going to be affecting people. I know it's not necessarily well, if it wasn't a gaming press, that would be pretty niche because it's not necessarily about the subject itself. But uh, it at least has like a kind of newsworthy element instead of saying, what's your opinion about X, Y, and Z law? Because abortion would affect some of the employees, but like technically any law could affect anybody. Uh, it feels weird to have an article that says like, we asked uh, Coca-Cola what it thinks about gun sales in the United <laughs> yeah. States. Or we ask the NBA what's their opinion on like the Coca Cola like uh, tax on sodas. It just gets this weird place where all companies have to have like political platforms. Yeah, I mean, I, I the other thing I didn't mention up top is like I, I think it's increasingly the case that unions or or unions that are attempting to be firmed will make demands of their company or their school administration. If it's like a grad student union, um, make demands of them politically. Like we want you to be in favor of BDS. We want you to be outspoken about Roe. And I think that like you have organized labor is often at such a disadvantage in these settings. And it's so hard to even form a union that it just, it seems like a silly thing to squander your capital on. But um, yeah, I mean, journalistically, I, I think journalists should cover working conditions hard and i think crunch is an issue in the gaming industry i i do think i don't think it's always covered fairly because i do think there's this tendency to like write a piece where you're quoting five of your friends without revealing that like these are folks you've known for a while i think that's a problem in games journalism but um no i mean i, I think that's a good point i think that that would be a much better more relevant thing to cover so here's the other reason why I think the abortion thing is so weird in video games. So I've been playing video games since I was a toddler because I have uh, terrible older sisters who wanted to poison <laughs> me uh, with deadly electric poison. But I've been playing video games for a very long time because I'm in my mid-30s. Have you – I have never encountered it. I wanted to ask you because you I know, play video games from time to time too. Have you ever encountered abortion in a video game ever? Like – like even like kind of topics about you didn't it, play abortion like simulator 2015 yeah i i, I must have missed that it uh it ha it's not on game pass so i haven't uh had a chance to play it but <laughs> it's just not something that comes up and i think the reason why it doesn't come up is because abortion is something that like is very touchy like no one really wants to touch yep. it I, I can't think even in like uh the games that are kind of therapy for adults like life is strange and like the other ones I can't remember anyone actually even going into like long talks about abortion. And I understand why game companies wouldn't want to do it either. Like you don't want to have like, I don't know, just like kind of a downer in the game. It just, if I, mean, I, I, I bet there's some artsy indie game that, that has done it. I'm just not aware of it, but yeah, it is not a natural fit. Why a games company would speak out on this particular issue. I find it very strange and, and 
you know, reflecting a new understanding of what companies are and what how they should act, basically. All right. So what you're saying is, is that in order to get abortion passed, we need to develop a new abortion simulator 3.5 to help yes. sell as the uh, uh, Planned Parenthood wants. Yeah, exactly. Go go play abortion simulator and get back to me. Will do. Thanks, Patrick. What is up, AA? Hello, Jesse. Uh, since this is a gaming podcast now, I wanted to ask a gaming-related question. Uh, are you aware of the controversy? It's really stupid, but uh, around uh, difficulty in video games. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's like there's a small group of people who get very upset when games are hard and they don't have like a super easy mode and because everything has to be the biggest deal ever, it's not like... Tell me if I have this right, but I I usually don't see it framed as like, hey, it would be nicer, it would be nice to have an easier mode because then more people could be included. It's often treated as like a disability or accessibility issue, which I find to be a bit much. That is correct. Um, So I agree with you, and I'm kind of biased. I'm pro-difficulty on some level, but my reading is historically the game's journalism area has been kind of on the progressive end and they were usually saying stuff like make things make games easier because i like it easier and people kind of laughed at them and then they started to make it about let's make it about disability people who can't you know play games very easily and that got more traction uh, i think that that's why they're doing it now the joke is games journalists are bad at games which is pretty true in some in some ways um and that's why they don't like these hard games which is kind of dismissive, but but it's true. But yeah, I think it's in some way being weaponized uh, because it's useful for them uh, because they can just make a point they want to make anyway. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, and it's it just it makes it more newsworthy if you try to pretend it's a, a matter of disability. I like I actually don't know what the right answer is. I think there's so many games out there for so many people. There's in every other form of art. There's there's movies you won't be able to understand unless you have a per like sort of sophisticated understanding of some issue or some yeah. art style. There's, I don't, I don't really think that every game should have an easy mode, especially because we're in a golden age for casual games where anyone who wants an easy game can find one. So yeah, keep games like, hard, I say. Like telling James Joyce, you know, it's hard for dyslexics. Yes, your language is too complicated, James exactly. Joyce. Right? But so here's another complexity on this. For a long time, I think the popular opinion was pretty against the, the idea of me to make all games have an easy mode. But then there was this game that came out called Celeste, which... That's a great... I really like uh, that game. Right. So do you know what I'm going to say about it? I don't. I remember at at the upper levels, it it gets fiendishly difficult, and people have modded... There's new levels that are, like, almost... It's it's one of those games that the best folks on Twitch use to show off their abilities. Yeah, that's not what I'm going to say. But you're you're right. That's actually true. I've heard it's a great game. I haven't played it myself. Um but yeah, it's a very hard game, and the, the premise of the game, you've played it, right, is sort of out- overcoming an obstacle. So it's, it's supposed to be hard on some level, but it has an option where you can basically make yourself, like, god mode. Like, within the game, it has it so you ca- basically can't lose. And you can choose it, and, and it tells you, it gives you an option says, you know, we prefer that you don't, this is not our intended experience, you can do this, but we prefer that you don't do this. Um, and this is sort of supposed to be sort of a compromise between people who say we want easy mode and um and or people who say we want hard mode so we'll make it hard but we'll give you an easy mode that we say you don't want to do and we'll give you a message saying don't pick this we don't want you to do this but you can do it anyway and that was very popular i think it's a pretty interesting solution to the problem 
But I think now what you see in games journalism is a lot of games journalists call for this in every game. They say, Dark Souls needs to have this same setting. <laughs> right. Which seems to me, it's, like, it seems to me that it's artistic choice. I, I can see how someone could choose that. That's not unreasonable to me. But it doesn't seem like no, it shouldn't be mandatory. It's an interesting question. Yeah. You can also you can unlock that mode, but then say if you play in that mode, you don't get perks, you don't un- unlock new levels. Yeah, I, I, I really think that's the kind of thing. Game designers are weird, often weird artsy types with strong feelings about what games should be, and I would, I would not, as a journalist, be like, you have to do it this way. I think it's silly. Agreed. Well, yeah. there's my question. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Mickey, what is up? Hey, can you hear me? I can. Great. Yeah, I just had a quick question for you. So I haven't I haven't read that that article yet, um, the the Washington Post article that you referenced, and I'm pro-choice, but I, something like stuff like this, these kind of stories, and like this kind of vibe that just seems to be going on with media and politics right now, it's like it's so silly. Like hearing you describe this article, it's just like this is silly. Like, this doesn't sound like an article or, like, an issue that matters at all. And, like, it's just getting harder and harder for me to just not get really bummed out because, like, I don't know, maybe I'm, like, completely, like, missing it. But just, like, they're just, like, the people that are, like, in one of the biggest media, you know, most important media corporations in the world are basically just, like, I'm I'm going to guess that they're just like, there's trouble in the gaming community because they're not addressing Roe or whatever. And it's just like, I don't know. It's I'm pretty silly. Really, it's, it's, it's contrived. Like, You're creating the story by reaching out to all these exactly, folks. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And my, I guess my question for you is like, there, and there's, ton, I mean, there's tons and tons of other examples from the last couple of years, but stuff like this in particular, where it's just so obvious and it's just like, how? How do a these people that are super well educated not know that they're being they're literally like revealing themselves to be not serious people, yeah. but then also they're just like like giving up all their cred like for regular people like me or like anyone that would just be like well, I think they're less and less writing for regular people, and that's the problem they're writing for the sort of person who yeah. who knows that like Blizzard needs to have a strong pro abortion stance or pro choice stance. Right. It's just, I don't know. I just don't know. Honestly, I don't know how it can, it can go on. Cause like, it just seems so fractious and there's a lot of very silly journalism going on now. And I think, um, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not a great time for that. Yeah. It's yep. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for the call. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. All right. right. Guys, I can only take one more call, unfortunately, just cause of the, the wedding stuff. I got to get ready for the dinner, but, um, Folks who show up to the next episode, I'll, I'll bump you to the front. Andrew, what's up? Uh, I have a nice, easy question for you. Um, and I'll, I'll go with a different philosophical question than Roe. Um, I just am curious after reading a couple of your articles, is there a reason, like I, I'm sure you've studied, I know you studied philosophy. Is there a particular reason you don't believe in free will versus say like compatibilism or something like that? Um, just because the, the way it always seems to be constructed to make free will not an issue, is, it, it, it's always seemed very contrived to me. Uh, sorry, which part seems contrived? So, like when you construct identity, basically, like you, you don't have an identity unless you can fundamentally change who you are, and you don't have the will to act unless you can like change the laws of physics. But, like, gotcha. like the Sam um, Harris 
you know, definition of free will. Yeah. I I should say, I, I have not... I, I've expressed sort of light views on this. I think I'm just like... I, I'm just not a sophisticated purveyor of this opinion. It just... It strikes me as unlikely that we have as much free will as a lot of people seem to think. And I think we we very much want it to be the case that we have like a significant amount of free will. And I think that nudges us in that direction. Um, and I just, I think a lot of misunderstanding comes from us, like overestimating how much stuff is within people's control. And, and if you're like concerned with fairness and stuff like that, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here. I, I, I should probably learn more about the sort of the philosophical bases of these arguments. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty unsophisticated about it. But it sounds like you think I'm too I'm too harsh on free will. Well, yeah, it, it's it, and then I you know I don't think we have the perfect ability to like you know um, I, like the way Sam Harris has, has defined it has always somewhat annoyed me because you know he sort of defines it like unless you can think about gravity and change what you know gravity is then you don't really have free will, which is a bit like saying you know, uh, the universe behaves by rules, so we don't have to think about physics anymore. But uh, to me, free will is basically, can you model the future in your brain? You know, imagine what will happen if you take a certain set of actions and then choose to, you know, move toward that or not toward it. And and it seems evident that we have that, Um, at least in part. But obviously, that doesn't function all the time. Um, Anyway, this is a subject I, I badly need to learn more about. Yeah. I always feel bad when someone has a question. I'm like, I'm not smart enough to answer that. But this is obviously one of the okay. subjects I, I should learn, learn more about, Andrew. So I appreciate the call. Um, all right. I do have to wrap it up there. I appreciate you guys all calling it, and I hope you'll come to the next episode. As always, if you enjoy what I'm doing here, I just ask you to spread the word, read my stuff, pass it around. Uh, and, yeah, I hope you guys all have a, uh, a good weekend. I guess it's, the weekend is officially starting right about now. So. Hope where wherever you are, you're having a good time. Farewell. <laughs>